Hello and welcome to the studio from Hot Topics. My name is John Bernstein. We're going to be discussing workflow automation and the hybrid team. Danny, can I start with you, please? So hybrid working, to what extent has that heightened the need for automation and workflow? I think that um, hybrid working alone has created more asynchronous activity. So that's, that's really key is not depending on everyone being around the table at the same time and, and seeing and hearing what each other are doing. So there, there's an element of asynchronicity, if that's a real word, um, that is saying it's more important that how can we, how can we still have communication, how, whether it's approvals or uh, um, uh, you know, core business processes that allow uh, for the business to kind of function and have visibility on what's going on, what stage is it in, where, where are things traveling so you can, you can track things better, whereas previously you could just rely on, on everyone being in the same place at the same time. It was just easier to work in that way. Very good. So an important distinction in terms of the way that we behave and the way that we act when we're in this hybrid world. It's not, uh, it's not simultaneous. It's not synchronous. It's asynchronous. Well, I mean, actually, in part, if you're remote rather than hybrid, if you're remote, actually, you're even more available because you're, you're there, you're on chat, you can respond really quickly. But equally, some people are remote, some people aren't remote, and also people are working different hours, they're working different patterns, so that brings the asynchronous nature to it. So there's, there's kind of pros and cons from that perspective, but being able to just track things through the organisation and track those processes and not have to be dependent on someone being there and doing their thing uh, and, and tracking it, being visible on it, is, is probably key. Max, what's your view on this, the impact of hybrid working on automation workflow? Well, I've got a slightly different view on it in that I would separate the two. Um, so the impetus for the business to automate is the impetus for the business to automate. The fact that we're remote, part remote or central, you know, that's a different conversation. So if you're at the board driving the business, you will want to automate the right parts of the business. But again, we have to bring it all back to the customer and how they want to work. So I think rather than heightening it, what it does is focus the mind on what to automate and how to automate. And almost those relationship touch points become greater, um, really, really important in terms of those magic moments um, and, and not automating those actually. So I would say... That's one element of it. The other element of it is then if you uh, are looking after a central automation capability, um, the likelihood in this day and age now is that the team is part virtual, uh, may come together in certain periods, may not, depending on if the team's global or not. So how we automate, therefore, um, it, it's, it's probably more the practices of those particular teams more than anything else. So just to tease that out, it's not about, it's not the trigger for automation, but it might be the how for automation. Is that right? It, it absolutely. It's a shift in the how, but the what remains the same. Very good. John, a view from you about the impact of hybrid working on automation and workflow. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that last point that I think the impetus was there already. Hybrid may have heightened it a bit, but these things should be happening in our businesses anyway. Um, I do think that what happens now with hybrid is that you've got, obviously, people are distributed geographically, physically. Uh, they're not all in the same time zones and so forth. So you do need more coordination, um, more coordinated access, more coordinated communication, uh, both online and offline. And you now also have content and other you know, uh, collateral that we all work on collaboratively. 
potentially all over the place. Whereas before you might be in a room with a, with a physical whiteboard, well, now you have to have a digital whiteboard. So starting to think about how you automate some of those things is, is certainly important now, but I totally agree that this was an imperative, I think, in business even prior to uh, the pandemic and will continue to be going forward. John, thanks very much. And finally, uh, Maria, your thoughts on the impact of hybrid working on workflow and process automation? Yeah, I, I do think that uh, it really did impact not just in, internally for, for the workers, but also for, for the perspective of the customer. I work for a retailer in agribusiness in Brazil. Um, the branches are spread in uh, one, uh, 145 uh, branches in 12 states all over across Brazil. Uh, it's a very traditional business, so you can imagine doing digital transformation and how to rethink in the relation of this offline business, um, not just in Brazil, I think it happened in, 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 in all countries, but um, the first thing is how you measure and how you communicate with your customer during the, pan the pandemic um, crisis and what we see now is that the hybrid working set, it, it will be, you know, it, it won't leave. We are not uh, coming again to just the offices or to the branches, uh, even because the customers are not just dealing and, and negotiating in the branches, but also they want to communicate online. Um, so how you measure and how you give um uh, the, the you know the, the the proper tools to the sales force uh, in, in in different states and how you give them uh, more information and content in order to have the 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 the, the correct relationship with the customer. So uh, I would say yes, we are facing this big transformation in order to bring more uh, automation, more uh, uh, processes in order to control what we are doing, more information in a in a automated way, not offline. And 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 again, here I'm saying in a business that people were taking notes in um, you know in the paper. So some efficiency considerations come to light as a result of the process and I guess how it meets hybrid working. Yeah, again, again I'm going to reframe it um, in terms of um, how we look at this. So um, there's two ways of looking at automation. There's um, effectiveness and efficiency. Efficiencies is clearly making things better that are already in a place. Um, effectiveness might be to totally redesign that process. So um, really, when approaching any aspect of this, it's about assessing where we are. If it's wor working fairly well and it's a streamlining, that's one thing. But actually, if we're going into deep strategic work around the customer, we may want to reframe that whole piece and change the way that we interact. And just to pick up on something you mentioned in your first answer, you talked about these magic moments, and maybe you want to define those just for the avoidance of doubt. But if I heard you right, it's about ring fencing those, and they, those probably are not appropriate for automation. Am I right? Uh, well, it's a little bit more than ring fencing. So for me, I mean, financial services example. So um, if you're buying your first home, 
then you may want to do that in a digital way and not have any human interaction. However, that can be quite a complex transaction. So it's sometimes nice for someone to be uh, virtually holding your hand or you know, in, a, in a room um, in person, having that conversation and really getting to your personal um, needs. And yes, you could have that through a robot or automate it in some way, um, but sometimes it's about the life moments and making those things special, whether it's at the start of that transaction or maybe at completion and you get the keys to the house. So um, those things are not only ring fence, but really the moments where there's opportunity to look at are there other ways to support the customer in a way that the customer would actually find value in. And that's really where you grow the business as well as make that moment particularly special. Very good. Thank you. So, Danny, about these efficiency considerations, something you've observed? Yeah. If you automate something, you make it more efficient. Um, but if you're automating a bad process and you're automating on bad technologies, you've just made your inefficient process a little bit faster, but it might still be an inefficient process in terms of experience, in terms of the number of people it needs to go to, or the number of considerations, or the messiness of the data that you're collecting. So I think there's, it's really important to ensure that there is architectural consideration, business process, design, or analysis, and this kind of central governance, um, rather than just, we can make that faster if we automate it. Uh, so yeah, there are quick wins. I really hate the term quick wins because there aren't really any quick wins. You're, you're either buying technical debt, you're building up technical debt in, in that particular example, or you've not really dealt with the problem at all in, in that sense. So yeah, I, I, I think there, I, I see the disciplines around process automation as the same principle disciplines around software development. And then if we, if we just say, here are the tools, citizen developers, automate away, it will be carnage because how on earth is your customer going to have that single customer joined up experience? And they're just, they're just not. And, and it feels to me, if I heard you correctly, this idea of uh, automating a bad process, it's worse than an incremental gain. So there might be an incremental gain, but actually you're missing the entire point of doing it in the first place? I think if it is being done strategic, a tactical solution to a strategic objective, if you say, I'm going to generate a certain amount of resource saving by automating this process, but this is the journey that we're on, and this is where we're going to get it to, well, that's okay. Right, that's okay, because what you're doing is you're just saying, I'm taking this inefficient process, I'm making it a bit more efficient, but that is not the end game. And I think you've got to have some discipline and robustness because your organization might go, well, it's more efficient now. Why do we need to change it? And, and then that's a harder sell. So I, th I think it's okay, but it still needs that strategic uh, imperative. Danny, thank you very much. John, we're talking about efficiency considerations. Uh, your view, please. You know, I want to actually go back to the, the question about magic moments and can you automate those or do you have to have human touch on that if I could, um, because that's actually really relevant to our business. We're, we're a software company that sells mostly to uh, enterprise uh, customers and we have over 100,000. And so we, we can't actually do everything with humans. And so I actually think it's really critical to automate the process of engaging with customers at scale, depending on the nature of your business. We're, we're obviously a B2C business. But the way we have to engage with our customers really is like a B2B sort of emotion. How do you interact with every individual end user 
Uh, how do you automate that process and how do you make that, um, to use that, that term earlier, a magic moment? And it's not the same as a human talking to a human, but you've got to make it as close as you can. And you have to orchestrate the interaction between the automated engagement you have with your customers and the human touch, right? Those things have to feel very coordinated to the customer as opposed to stepping on each other. And, and briefly, John, give, give me a sense of how you go about doing exactly that. Well, it's a, it's a combination of, of process design and finding the right sorts of tools, looking at marketing, marketing automation tools, thinking about how you engage you know, all the way through the customer journey, everything in our case from onboarding all the way through a renewal flow. Um, but it's a, it's a lot of work and it's coordinated work for us between our product organization, our marketing organization, our customer success organization, because all of us touch those customers in a different way. And if we don't coordinate those things very well to the customer, it can feel very confusing, right? Uh, you know, who's reaching out to me? Why are they reaching out to me? Why now? And so you've got to really think through that whole flow. And um, I will say it's not easy. <laughs> John, thank you very much. Can I just build on Please, that a, a little bit? So I, I think if you take a customer perspective, um, you could have an unhealthy organization obsession with automation, okay? And there is a difference between the customer would expect that to be delivered instantly, expect not to have to wait for that, versus the customer just wants to speak to someone and get that problem solved and not have to go through layers and layers and layers of automation to be able to get that solved. There's a huge difference between those two things. Um, I was taking out car insurance recently and I didn't have to deal with anyone at all. And I was able to get into quite an intricate level of detail on multi-car policy and so on. And that was great. It was a really great experience. And all the way through to the delivery of the policies, job done, easy. I didn't have to engage with someone. Um, but if you've got a customer service experience and you want to just get hold of someone and solve a problem, then you want to make sure you don't over-automate with the obsession of efficiency at the expense of that customer experience. Very good. Maria, can I bring you in again with a, a different question? I wonder how automation has affected employee experience, perhaps even employee engagement. Maria, please. Yeah, I think they're both connected. Um, I would say in my case here, my experience in, in every business, very traditional one, uh, people were not uh, used to use uh, any experience in terms of uh, digital uh, tools. So the first one, uh, to generate that it's that efficient, first you need to engage. So creating uh, good tools uh, in the point of view of the customer, but also considering inside of that experience, the sales force. You know, all the team that is in contact with, uh, with, the, with our business, actually this is B2C and also B2B, uh, and give the the the, um, the employee the 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 you know the certainty that they will be you know in the transformational uh, uh, path. They are not being uh, substituted uh, by an app or or a new platform. So this is the first thing. So what we created was is very um, uh, step by step uh, functionalities through apps and through platforms, bringing Salesforce and SAP, uh, but engaging these people, engaging that hey, uh, you know what, all that you are doing that is not that is smart. You know, that is taking a lot of effort, but you are not developing your career. Uh, this tool will help you with that. And now you're going to have more time 
when you, you, you know, from the, the Salesforce perspective, you're going to have more time, one, to develop your, your, yourself, you know, to get more knowledge. Uh, you're going to have more time and more information and data to understand your customer. So you're going to provide more info. You're going to be smarter than, you know, uh, the peers. And then you're going to have more revenues and margin and better uh, variable and, and, and bonus and promotions. So this is the, the way that we, we did. Uh, and, 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 and I think first you need to, you know, start very little uh, with a pilot, with a proof of concept and, and showing people that they are, you know, being, in uh, valuable professionals and not being substituted by, you know, by a machine or something like that. Maria, thank you very much. That's the same question to you about the impact of automation on the employee experience. Uh, now, this is where it does get interesting. So, um, immediate term. So, you know, we all look after teams in some way, shape or form, whether they're um, you know, a function or we may be working as part of a matrix organisation in terms of cross-functional teams. Motivating our teams in that automation um, capability is about equipping them, is about um, creating those opportunities and is about linking them to the central purpose of the organisation very, very clearly. And that will naturally um, lead to um, you know, processes um, moving away, it's simplified, you can go straight through. Um, straight through processing is, is, is very much the norm in financial services in, in certain areas. So that then also then, um, you know, you've got to look at that longer term. So you're then looking at um, the next skills gap and where you actually deploy people next, how that's going to fit with the footprint of the business. Um, so there's a whole uh, piece there around career paths which opens up. The third view on it um, is um, something I talk about quite a bit in, in my latest book, is around societal leadership. So if we are automating all of these things, um, that's all to the good um, in one area. But also we need to be very conscious as technology um, leaders to look at uh, the impact on the employee workforce and what does that mean in terms of future um, opportunities, but also the impact that we're having on, on our day-to-day -day life. So, you know, if you imagine yourself in 10 years' time, do you want everything automated? Where do you want that um, conversation? How's that going to look in terms of life? And if you imagine the number of technology leaders around the world, if we're all automating, we need to have that longer term view to make the next vision a world we all want to live in. And do you think as businesses, as, an, as, as society, we are good at doing that communication piece? today? Uh, it's a work on, shall I say? <laughs> yeah, it's a work on. Uh, you know, communication and, and you add people to anything, it takes longer. Um, but it's important to emphasise that longer term view because it's very easy to um, be captured in the moment. But it's also important to look at that view if you're creating the next vision as you speak. Um, having that view as a really positive, abundant world is going to be more and more critical as we start to converge through technologies. Danny, the connection between automation and employee experience. <laughs> I suppose uh, I agree with everything Dax has said. There's two ways to address that. You, you could either take an organisation which has a lot of fingers on spreadsheets to, to coin a term, kind of very inefficient, you know, um, 
and then get some automation experts to come in and make them all unemployed. Brilliant. That's not that's not sustainable. That's not really great business practice. Or um, you can start to develop their skills so that they can make their current roles redundant. But anyone that can make their role redundant is is in for a great job in their organization because that organization is going to see that person and say, you're, you're making my business more efficient. What else can you do? And, and you know, data is the key. So there's an element of coding and potentially in architecture and design, but data is the key. I mean, ultimately, what is automation if not just transposing data from one form to another? So if you can develop those data skills at every level of your organization, they can understand it better, they can make sure it's better quality, and then they can see opportunities, then either, and it depends on their role, but either they can move on and do greater things within your organization, or probably more likely, they're providing a customer service, and they can dedicate much more of their time and their energy and their understanding of the business to use that data and use that capacity to provide a better service to the customer, better decisions, better innovation, rather than moving data around spreadsheets all the time. Uh, so I, I think there's an element of, of just, that. Just to push back, isn't the danger that if you have somebody who identifies how to make their job their role redundant, they're also identifying how to make other people's roles redundant. So the person that identifies it may be kept on and identified as an interesting person in the organization, but at the expense of other people who lose yeah. their jobs. Look, I mean, businesses aren't in the business of just creating jobs for the sake of creating jobs. They're, they're, they're purpose is to be efficient in what they do. So yes, if there's an element of that, then should those jobs have existed in, in the first place? If that organization is not taking the efficiency, they're all going to lose their jobs because that business isn't going to survive. That new startup that is born in the cloud and data native and digital native isn't going to even have those jobs to start with. So yes, you might say that person is going to make that job redundant and, uh, and expand the unemployed workforce. But the, but the reality is, is if you can raise the digital and data literacy of all of your employees and you give them those tools, we, we can shift everyone up that value chain. Very good. Thank you. John, give me your perspective, please, on automation and the employee experience. Yeah, I, I would just say, well, I agree with just about everything that's been said. The employee experience is so top of mind for us uh, right now in particular. You know, I think this is a global phenomenon, but the great resignation that we talk about here in the, in the U.S. is absolutely real. Our unemployment rate is near record lows at this point, and it's very, very hard to acquire and retain talent. Um, there's lots of opportunities. And what you don't want to do is have an employee experience where, where people are doing very mundane, repetitive tasks, certainly not in a, a knowledge worker sort of environment that, that we live in. And so I think the idea of automation is how do you take those kinds of tasks away from people, not for the purpose of eliminating jobs, but for the purposes of actually having those folks who are your employees do more interesting work, more challenging work, work that kind of gets them to the next level and retains them as employees because uh, we can't afford to lose them. So, you know, I think it's a really critical aspect. The, the other thing I would say, it, it kind of goes to, to hybrid a little bit, but the environment that we're in now is because of the hybrid environment, we are hiring employees without ever meeting them in person. We've been doing that for the last two and a half years now at this point, and, and I think we're all in that situation. And that experience of going through a recruiting process where you never meet anyone in person is very different than what we were all used to, you know, prior to, to the pandemic. That's got to be a really great experience. And the more consistent it can be, the higher quality it can be, the better we engage with those, those prospective employees, the more likely they are to, to join us, the more likely they are to have a great experience that they then carry into 
uh, you know, their, their experience working with us as employees. And so, you know, we think a lot about how we make that process smoother, more efficient, um, and really focus on the human touch where we need to, but automation where we don't. And so things like, you know, taking them through an onboarding process, we've automated a lot of that through workflow and um, uh, it, it really makes for a great experience and it, it's so critical for us. Very good, thank you. One last question for you all and if you would uh, keep it fairly brief, please. So one piece of advice, and John, I'll start with you if that's okay. One piece of advice to other technology leaders in building efficient and affected, effective automated systems. What's the one piece of advice you would give them, John? Yeah, I would say two things, and one would echo uh, something that was said earlier, which is simplify your processes before automating them. And I think this has been a, a time-tested you know, strategy. Don't go automate a broken process. If you're going to take the time to automate something, go look at the process, figure out how it can be uh, designed uh, better, and then automate that. So I think that, that hopefully is a, a universal truth. The other thing I would say is there are so many tools available to all of us these days. So don't feel the need to go build some automation from scratch. There are all sorts of best of breed tools. Um, you know, take advantage of what's available, stitch things together. There's a lot of integration capabilities now and focus on you know, efficiency from that perspective. Don't feel the need to build everything from scratch. For most of us, it's not our core competency. Go focus on your core business. John, thanks very much. The same question, Maria. One piece of advice, please. Yeah, related to to the automation process, uh, just just one comment. Um, what we see here is that um, people started in, uh, internally to to give more value to data and how to keep collect and and share in a proper way this data, uh, which is great. Uh, one advice is um, not different from John. Um, make sure that you have all the design of your processes and architecture. Uh, don't start from scratch. Don't, don't be anxious to start. Um, be very careful with the accurate data that you have. Keep your time, give your, your time your, inside of your company in order to uh, clean your data. And because when you're mentioning and when we are making automation, we cannot fail. Uh, not even inside for our leaders, not even for the customers. So that that's is very important. In terms of uh, resources, one advice is uh, we are all worldwide uh, struggling on getting these resources. In agribusiness in Brazil, we have six open positions to one professional in the market, which is awful. So one thing that we are doing now, uh, go to the universities, uh, make challenges. Uh, we need to bring new people, young people, uh, engage them and, 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 and train them. Uh, we will not find everybody and give the chance to traditional ones, workers, to develop themselves. You know, they maybe will not be a, a data engineer, but they will be your engaged uh, professional inside the company, you know, uh, 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 training others how to use the new tools. Very good. Thank you, Maria. Uh, Danny, the same question. A piece of advice, please. Um, my single piece of advice would be architect it with the customer in mind. Really think about the customer experience, the customer journey. What value are you adding to that customer? to enable that repeat business, that referral business. Dax, finally, one piece of advice. 
One piece of advice, a few elements within it though. So know your customer or your client, know your business, and know your business purpose. And therefore, when you do automate, focus on the relationships within that business, and then you'll automate with impact and you'll stand out in the marketplace. Very good, Dax, Danny, Maria, and John. Thank you all very much. Thank you all for watching.